Welcome to the Everyday iRacers podcast, episode 11. I'm Josh. And I'm Rob. And we are Everyday iRacers, just like you. With it being week 13, we can now answer the question that's on everybody's mind, and that is who won the Rob Josh Division 5 IMSA Championship? Drum roll, please. The answer is you have won the IMSA Championship Division 5 between the two of us with 47th place out of 1,374 total racers. And I got second place out of the two of us, 61st overall. Not bad for the two of us. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. 47th and 61st. That's basically neck and neck out of 1,300 racers. You you had 24 starts. I had 41. And I went and looked at the series results. Uh, there was a guy who put in 303 starts. So over a 12-week season, what is that? I did the math. Uh, it was three races a day for 12 weeks. That is, that's a lot of eye racing. That's an everyday eye racer right there. So hats <laughs> off to that gentleman. Yeah. So next week is 2021 season two. But since this is week 13, we thought it was a great opportunity to have our first special guest on the podcast. We'll have some more regular segments for the next season, but we're really excited that we were able to bring our endurance racing teammate, Michael Etherly, and his iRacing father, Donnie, to the podcast. Welcome, gentlemen. How's it going? How's it going, guys? Welcome. So, you know, we're here to talk about iRacing. You guys are our father and son. But Donnie, our podcast is focused on iRacing, but you have a history of cars in the real world. Yeah, I grew up in the automotive aftermarket industry. My dad started the company that I currently own, and it's high performance and truck accessory distribution company. And in the mid 50s is when he started the company. But all my life, I've been around race cars and hot rods and trucks and all that fun stuff. And he started taking us to the uh, local raceway downtown Nashville, the Nashville Speedway, in the mid-60s. We would go watch Cuckoo Marlin, Marty Robbins, Phoebe Crowell, and this other uh, lesser-known fellow named Daryl Walter race at the local Speedway. And by the way, they were all our customers, so they hung out at the store. And so I grew up around it and then kept working there. And then eventually, me and my brother bought the company in 95. But Along the way, we had so much fun and got to know a lot of good people. And it's a wonderful industry and just thoroughly enjoy it and enjoy racing. And I started going to my first real NASCAR races in 79. I went to Talladega and just fell in love with it and, and kept going. And one question I have. So your store is actually on an ad in yeah. iRacing. That's correct. Yeah. When we first, I guess when Michael first downloaded iRacing and started racing, he noticed that our billboard was in the iRacing application, which was really cool. And uh, it's, yeah, that's awesome. What turn is it in at the National Fair? It's in turn four. It's Tennessee Speed Sport. And that was the racetrack that my father took us to in the mid-60s. And by the way, they just signed a letter of intent with Bristol Motor Speedway to revamp it and bring it back to life. It's the second oldest speedway in operation in the United States. It started in 1904. So I don't want to talk about iRacing stuff anymore. <laughs> I just want to sit here and talk to uh, Mr. Etherly. You know, when we went to Talladega in 79, I just fell in love with Bobby Allison. He was, he's just my hero and has always been my hero. And I've been blessed to know him and be able to uh, speak with him and go to different events. And, you know, I had my iRacing rig built as a tribute to him. And so my rig looks like his 1982 uh, Miller Buick. And it's got the decals and the numbers and all that fun stuff on it. 
That's really cool. So when you when you spec'd out the rig, you kind of had that in mind, and, and that was the oh, guy. Yeah. I had it commissioned that way, and the guy that that built it, WR1 Sims, he had a blast. And his father has been in automotive for a while and collects muscle cars and things like that. And when he was out there building the rig and putting the decals on, it was the only one that he took interest in. He says, "I want to know about this 22 rig, and who is it, and I want to meet this person when he picks it up." Because it was in his era. We were the same age. And that's an interesting story. You drove out to pick up yes. the rig. Where was it? Tulsa, Oklahoma. We met him at the Chili Bowl last year and went and looked at his stuff. And he builds a lot of rigs for your current cup drivers. He does rigs for Kyle Larson. When I was picking mine up, he just was finishing up Dale Jr.'s. I was talking to him the other day, and he's working on one for Kevin Harvick. This is awesome, because <laughs> all these guys are on iRacing. I mean, if you haven't yeah. crossed paths with them yet, you will at some point, probably. Or oh, yeah. You may see them in, at the racetrack or in, you know outside of iRacing, but you, you'll meet them on iRacing, too, at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you crossed paths with any of your friends on iRacing? I haven't. I, I, I always look at the starting list, you know, cruise down through the names just to see if I recognize any. But I haven't run into anybody that I really knew personally yet. Well, it was funny. One night, Dad's like, I'm heading off bed. I said, okay, I'll do one more race. And I hop in a bush race and Chad Wheeler was there. It was just so neat seeing Chad in there. You know, not only does he build the rigs, he's also sim racing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a big dirt racer. He's well known in the dirt racing world. Yeah. And he doesn't he do some like hosted sessions and he'll send you pictures of the roster yeah. and like Dale Jr. and stuff's in there with him. And, you know, Dale Jr., I don't know if you're aware, Josh Barry. So I think he finished in the top 10 in last week's cup race. No, it wasn't a cup race. I'm sorry. It was the uh, Xfinity race. He was discovered on iRacing by Dale Jr. Very cool. Wow. And Dale put him in his car. And then what made you decide, hey, I want to get myself a rig or what is this iRacing thing? And was it Etherly Jr. there that sort of uh, pushed you in the right direction? Or Well, he always told me to get off those <laughs> stupid video games when I was a kid. So let's start there. Then fast forward 20 years. Yeah, it started with an 83 GMC pickup long bed that I'd bought 10 years ago, and it was sitting in the backyard rotten. And I said, you know, I need to do something with this truck. He got it running, drove it up into the front parking place in front of the house, and I lost my parking place. And so then after that, I called him. I said, Mike, what are we going to do with this truck? Well, you know. I've got into this iRacing thing and COVID had hit and I was watching it on TV and I said, yeah, that's some cool stuff. It looks so realistic. And he says, you got to do it, dad. You got to do it. If you don't hurry up and do it, I'm going to get way ahead of you. I don't think so. <laughs> you got your sim rig, dad. And how fast did you go to an A license from rookie? It was about 60, 90 days. It wasn't very long. <laughs> no, did you find it a little addictive? Were you a little obsessive about it when you got going on it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's very addicting. I've been coming up and my wife, she's mad at me because I lose weight on it. That's crazy. Do you guys lose weight on it? It does because oh, yeah. your adrenaline and your heart and, mm -hmm. and, and, and I've lost weight. <laughs> it's exercise, honey. So, well, Donnie, I'm, so I'm curious, are you running, have you chosen a class of NASCAR or a series? Or are you just happy to jump in whatever comes up next? So what I did, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, I just race all of the fixed races and, and all of the uh, open class A. I've tried to, I've been racing just about mm -hmm. every night. 
I'll take off maybe Fridays and then I'll start back on Sunday. It's good to have like a Friday night date night. You gotta take (laughs) care of the wife. Happy wife, happy life. Well, you guys are already talking circles around me and my oval experience. Josh and I (laughs) fought our way up to A-class oval racing and uh, we play around in the uh, A-class fixed as well. But I still don't really know the rules or the ways to really sort of improve my race craft on the ovals. But I love racing in NASCAR. I mean, we do most of our racing is road racing, but gee, it's so refreshing. Everyone's so nice. What I've kind of noticed about oval is that occasionally during the race, you'll have people talking. There's yeah. there's a wreck, there's a yellow flag, and everyone's got four or five laps to kind of just chill out. And sometimes people are telling jokes or just talking or strategizing. Or I do yeah. like that camaraderie that you get. It's really good. It's just, you know, what really gets frustrating is that they try to win Every lap is the last lap sometimes, and the patience is just not there. And it's interesting. I was listening to you guys' podcast, and it, and it taught me some things that I started to apply in, in my racecraft. It's all about patience. And the thing that I learned that, uh, that about qualifying, there for the longest time, I just wouldn't qualify. I would start wherever I race. Yep put me and then you were talking about you need to qualify that way you're in the group that's your caliber and that way you know you're not trying to play catch up or overdriving the car and things Mm -hmm. like that and so i started doing that and son of a gun i started doing better and and finishing better uh, Michael was saying that the two of you ended up in the same race a couple of weeks ago. And I mean, that's just quintessential, awesome iRacing community there, father and son in the same race, just by chance, right? I mean, you don't get any choice in the matter. It's just whether you were thrown in the same split or not. Michael, what was that race like for you? Oh, it was amazing. Like, I mean, growing up, watching my dad work on cars, always had NASCAR every Sunday in the garage on the radio. So I listened to NASCAR my whole life. It was so sentimental and special to me because it was the first time I got to meet my dad on his playing field that he brought me to and like to experience it with him. And it was, I'll just never forget it. And whoever was there, they were amazing amazing the guys and girls that were racing with us were very supportive so the other people in the race they clued in that it was the father and son so dad says hey look at that guy up there on pole and everyone said what are you guys brothers brothers? yeah and what did you tell him i said now this is father and son and so they were all really good about it like everyone just kept bringing us up back. Like, how are those youngsters and the senior doing up there? Like, yeah. just awesome feeling. Yeah. You know, I spoke to Michael very respectfully and told him I was proud of him and, and what a good job he was doing and things like that. And I think that they picked up on that. And right when everybody finished, I came on the mic and told Michael how much I was proud of him, how much I loved him. And, and uh, it was just a great race. <laughs> yeah, it was. Josh and I, we do this podcast because we try and bring out the positive aspects of iRacing and, you know, shuttle some of the negativity aside. And that's just a great example of a positive iRacing experience. So happy for you guys. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, it's time to help me on the track. Okay, let's do it. So uh, here are some questions, and I'm going to start just at the very, very beginning. Do you have some short and snappy tips here on the best way to start? For the most part, every race I've been in, I'd say 90% or better starts in second gear. And then what I do is I get up on the guy's bumper, not, you know, obviously touching it, but is close. 
and I'm on the throttle and the brake. And, and as soon as I see that green light, I floor it and let off the brake. And I'm typically having to let off because I'm going to run over the guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, this brings up another point. The green light is gone but you guys have not crossed the start-finish line yet. Uh-huh. When can you pass the guy, and what are the rules on that? Uh, you're not allowed in Oval to pass on the inside That's of correct. the person in front of you. You've got to get past the finish line, or you cannot pass the uh, lead car before the finish line. If I ever find myself in pole position, what is the proper etiquette for managing a start for everybody else? You know, I hear them saying on the mics, you know, are we going to like go on green? What's the etiquette? Because I don't want to wreck everybody else's race, you know, no checking up or anything. Yeah, that's it. You hit it right there. Don't do brake checks. It's really up to you. It's your ball game. You're on the pole. You command the whole race. You can do as you please. But, you know, I think that rolling the throttle on a little bit more and more and more and more as you're coming to the green is the best route. And that way, they're not stacking up behind you and and everybody's not brake checking and things like that. Mm -hmm. But remember, you're in command of the race. It's your ball game and and you're in control. So how about passing under yellow when you're entering the pits is that an i-racing rule is that a nascar rule that you've known for years donnie and are applying you know what's what's the the etiquette because it's a little bit mysterious to me well in the real world you don't pass under the caution nascar sets the field in the i-racing world it's very frustrating Uh, you know last week i was running second and this guy was down on the apron after the caution came out and i came around and i thought that the i-racing program would let me go ahead and go by him because i was still on the track and come into pit road but when i hit pit road boom black flag And man, that just frustrates you. And that also creates some problems because you have a lot of people start really brake checking during a caution because there's somebody down there on the apron. They're all saying, well, the screen's saying don't pass so-and-so or number five or whatever it is. And everybody's starting to lock up their brakes. And I think they really need to work on that somehow. I don't have the answer to it, but somehow they got to get a get a handle on if your cars blow a certain line on the, on the track, you should be allowed to go around. It's up to that person to keep the race speed or the caution mm-hmm. speed in real life. That's the way it works in NASCAR. You have to maintain caution speed. If you cannot, then you lose that position. Yeah. Like if you're going off in the pits and you are behind somebody, that person in front of you still on the track can slam on their brakes. You go in the pits and you're instantly black flagged. Right. One guy black flagged a whole field of 30 people. You know, I guess not a lot of tension there was applied and they just assumed people would understand the you can't enter the pits before the person in front of you. Okay. So what happens if I am not fast? I'm a lap down and the lap cars are coming up behind me. What's my proper etiquette for staying out of the way? You know, that's another really good question. It's an important question because you can really affect the outcome of the race. I think the best way is to maintain your line. Because once you start trying to move up or move down, it sometimes leads to you losing control of your vehicle. Mm -hmm. So the best thing is to maintain your line. Understand you've got faster cars coming up and saying, I'm maintaining my line. Sometimes they will say, hey, go high or stay high. And at the end of the day, it's their job to figure out how to go around you. So 
lucky dog you know rob and i think we understand it but we'd love some clarity and it seems to me that there may even be some strategy right you're racing to potentially be the last lap but what if the next one down is three laps down right there's a there's a lot that goes into lucky dogs maybe you can kind of explain it at a basic level there is a race within a race because if there's multiple cars laps down and you're a lap down and you're on the same lap with someone else on a lap down as well whomever's the closest to the leader is the lucky dog. So if the guy that's on the same lap with you is behind you and he comes up and overtakes you, then he becomes the lucky dog. It's a rule that NASCAR put in place probably seven or eight years ago. It really makes the racing better. It gives the people an opportunity to get back on the lead lap and continue to be competitive for the win. I'm looking for it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can I ask you a question, Dad? So strategy-wise, I was lucky dog once, and it's a caution, and I needed tires. Do I go grab my lucky dog pit, or do I pit, and can I still take a lucky dog? Right. You can't pit before you take the lucky dog. You have to take the lucky dog first. You stay out. You get the lucky dog, and then you scramble to get in the pits. That's correct. I've lost the lucky dog because of that before. As I think it says you're a candidate early in the uh, the yellow flag, but I've gone into the pits, and then afterwards, I thought I was going to get you know lucky dog, and they were laughing at me. I made that same mistake the first time, too. <laughs> <laughs> so with the Daytona 500 a couple of weeks ago, was really the first time in a NASCAR race that I've had to pit under green. And what I started to hear was people around me starting to negotiate with each other and figure out when they were going to go in. So in longer races, I think there's a whole strategy around pitting under green. Can you talk a little bit about that? And sort of that you may have to work with opponents on that. iRacing, you have the luxury of communicating. But yeah, what's some of the strategy around pitting under green? Yeah, that's an interesting uh, question as well, because there are a lot of strategies that do play out. In a long race, you need to listen for when the leader pits, because in real life, if you wait too long in the leader pits, then he's going to have fresh tires and he's going to make up more time than you can. And so sometimes you hear about people doing what they call short pitting, where they come in before the leader. And what they're doing there is they're trying to make up time on the track before the leader comes in. So when the leader comes back out, you might be in front of him or maybe not as far behind him because you made up more time on the fresher tires. And then the the strategy on a speedway where there's drafting that comes into play, you want to go in with a group so you can come back out and not lose a draft and be able to, you know, stay in the lead pack. But at the end of the day, it really boils down to how well your car is handling and how much time you feel like you're giving up where your tires are. So tires, you know, I would go into the pits, change all four tires and run back out again. Doesn't sound like that's really the way to go. Well, you know, another good question. The good thing about it, they're free. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Super Speedway here again, you know, you have the luxury of taking on two tires because, you know, Super Speedways aren't as punishing on the tires. So you you can run a lot of laps on a super speedway with the same tire, or you can choose to change only lefts or right. And, you know, like you guys, I've just came in and took four tires because it's not that much time that you're going to give up by taking four because you got to put fuel in the car. So the pit stops are down to about the same amount of time to get a full fuel load 
to change four tires. So why not? Mm-hmm. So steering ratio. So that's the one setting that you can change even in a fixed NASCAR race. So what effect does steering ratio have when you're on a NASCAR race? Well, you know, they learned years ago in drag racing when they first came out with a rear engine dragster and started braking, you know, 200 mile an hour, running the quarter mile. If they didn't have the steering ratio right, the cars were not controllable at that high speed. And so what they were doing then was slowing the ratios down. So when they would touch the wheel, it wouldn't have as much of an impact. And it's sort of the same theory when you come to NASCAR as well. You can either speed it up or, you know, slow it down. My experience has been the more you speed it up, it makes it better. So if you're in a race and you're trying to draft with a guy and they're just going back and forth, back and forth, they have their steering ratio way too slow. And what do you mean slow? What are the numbers for slow? And that's a... 10 to 1, mm-hmm. you know, you need, to, you need to kick it up to 14 okay. or 16. So, and just so I understand, is it is 10 twitchier or is 16 twitchier? Like in terms of response, 10 is twitchier. Your steering is not fast enough to catch up with it. I got it. Okay. Donnie, I'm, I'm curious. Are we going to see you running? Like I'm looking, the, the Coke 600 is coming up at the end of May. I'm sure Talladega. Did you drive the Daytona 500 or did you sit that one out? You know, I wasn't aware of it. I wished I would have known. I would have signed up for it, but I've already put the uh, 600 on my calendar because I'm definitely going to do it. It was a real pleasure to have both father and son, Michael and Donnie, chatting with Josh and I tonight and really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen. Learned a ton, Donnie. Heard some interesting stories about the real world, about iRacing. Learned a lot. Going to put some of that into practice. So thank you so much. Yes, thank you. you. We uh, really enjoyed it. If you ever want to do it again, we'd be happy to do it. Thanks, fellas. So that's a wrap for our special guest, episode 11. If you've enjoyed our show, please hit that follow button wherever you're listening to your podcasts. And if you have any comments, which we always welcome, search us up, Everyday iRacers, on Reddit and leave us a note. Season 2, 2021, starts next week, and we hope to see you on the track. 